This is the Kaniac Report. I am Sam Wallace. And I am Sam Driscoll. And you know what? What? That's one, two, three, four in a row. You are correct. of the Caniac Report. We hope you have had a good week. And the Canes, they've had another, they've had a great week. You know, I think that that was, it was, it was important. And I mean, hopefully, I, I saw something on Twitter recently, you know, good teams find a way to, you know, mitigate their, their losses. But if they go on a bad losing streak, they find ways to make it up. And I think they're in the, going in that right direction to, to make up some pretty poor play and they're getting or not really poor play per se, but the inability to, to cash in costs them about five games um, of late. And it was so important to get these four in a row to help bring, you know, bring back that ability to win. I don't know. I don't necessarily think they're going to win all six on the road, but the way they're playing right now, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be either. Um, at the time we're recording this, we have not played the Anaheim Islanders of Detroit yet. Anaheim, they are last in the league. So we should win against Anaheim. You should beat Anaheim and you should start Kachetkov. I think that's that's the reality there. You you do not start Ronta. I think there's I don't think he's I, they said he was cramping up, which is why he was pulled, and we'll talk about that too, why he was pulled. But I tend to agree more with Adam Gold here. I just think he wasn't playing good, and he wasn't good, and it was the right move regardless of whether he was just unable to perform or if he was, you know, just not good. Either way, the right move was to pull him. I think right now, I think Anderson's getting close, it sounds like. Um, if you start Ronta for any game, you would think it's Anaheim. I would. I want Kachetkov out there, especially against the Islanders and against uh, Detroit. So I think that's what you need to do. Yes, definitely. Um, and since we're on the subject of injured players, let's just start with like an injury report. Injury updates and all that type of stuff with the Canes. Uh, Ronta, Pacioretty are on the ice. Uh, they're not practicing with the team, but they're on the ice practicing with their goaltender coach. You mean Anderson. You said uh, Ronta. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I meant Anderson. Yes, yeah, so Anderson and Pacioretty both on the ice. Pacioretty is practicing with Justin Williams. Yep. And the goaltending coach is uh, practicing with Anderson. Those are good signs. Yeah. And I think we need to talk about when Anderson comes back, who's the odd man out. And I've said, I believe I've said this before, Anderson only has to be better than Ronta. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's just the reality of it. Because, I mean, let's be honest. Let's just go through these couple games and what we're talking about. You have three games coming up. It's stupid that you have such long breaks in between each one. Oh, like two to three games in between. I think there's like four between one, um, I believe. And I'll pull it up just quick out of curiosity for, for you guys as well. So we play Anaheim. So there's two days between L.A. and Anaheim. We're in the same state. It's ridiculous that there's even a two-day break. Two days, then you play Anaheim. Three days, play the Islanders. Two days, Detroit. You have such long breaks in between these games. It says a lot that I don't think it makes sense to start Ronta. So I think that says a lot right there about him to where Kochetkov's your best goalie. You start him. So you're right. At that point, who's the odd man out? I don't think you can justify um, not... I don't think you can justify sending Kochetkov down to the minor league. So odd man out, you would have to think because of salary because of what he's done it makes more sense to you know that ronta's on man out and in my opinion i don't think ronta's been a bad goaltender this year i think he's let some leaky goals in his worst game was the last one he started in or he allowed three he was not good he was not good at all and um i think there's value to the player to a team that might need a goaltender that might need someone that could maybe be a little bit more reliant on and who's willing to take the risk, right? A team might not have a really liable backup. 
I think if you can move Ronta, you move Ronta if Freddie's healthy. Um, and then you might look for a veteran goalie to move into your minors. So, you know, you look for that Alex Lyon that we had a couple of, I think it was last year. You look for that kind of goalie to maybe sign or to trade for because you can move an asset for that. Um, I think that would not be an unwise decision because then you can do 1A, 1B with Freddie and Kochetkov like they did with Peter Morazic, Curtis McElhaney for a while, and, and Peter Morazic and then Reimer. Yeah, so I think that probably is a direction to go. I don't like the idea of 1A, 1B, 1C, and you're rotating between three goalies. I don't think that works. And you want to keep Ronta. That also is fine. He's just not going to play a lot. Kind of the situation was when Morazic was healthy, it was Morazic. And Nedeljkovic and Reimer was kind of the odd man out for a while, so you know that's kind. Of, you know that that happens. Yeah, makes sense. Definitely, um, it's going to be very interesting once Anderson comes back, and we'll get to the game um, in a few minutes here. But when they pulled Ronta, you also I think it goes through your mind a little bit if. Uh, the management of this team is kind of wanting to protect Ronta right now, especially at this stage. And it makes sense. Anderson's already hurt. He's not healthy yet to come back. They can't afford to lose another goaltender no, plus, at this stage. No, plus if your ultimate goal is you're going to move one of these pieces, you need them healthy because no one's going to trade for someone who's hurt. So the problem is Ronta just hasn't been right all year. It's always been one thing or the other. And Freddie got hurt pretty early on in the season. So it, you, your only healthy goalie has been Kochetkov. And in my opinion, I think he's going to be the franchise goaltender. I think he's going to be the guy. I think he's going to be the next Cam Ward. You know, when I say next Cam Ward, I'm not saying he's going to be as great as Cam Ward, better than Cam Ward, equal, you know, whatever. But he's going to be that goaltender that's going to be here for at least, very least, next four years. Yes. And now let's get to some Canes news. Uh, we saw there was a trade that happened with uh, Zach Hayes traded to Carolina for future considerations. Apparently, we have this player a lot. He, I mean, Future Considerations has been doing great for us. <laughs> I know. We keep on, uh, well, you know what? We just don't seem to like to keep Future Considerations around, but it's a good move. He's a good, you know, he'll be solid depth and, you know, makes me think, okay, well, one, Chicago hasn't been playing very well, so it might be just a way to kind of help them, but it could be a way, you know, gives us more depth on the blue line, a position that, you know, an area where it's not as good as you want in your bottom pair right now. When the season started, I had a lot more hope in the bottom pair. I thought it was going to be great. Coggin looked really good in the preseason, did not translate, unfortunately. Um, so the question becomes, you know, do you maybe see him up in the NHL? You don't know, maybe. But I think uh, it's a good depth move. I don't have a problem with it. You don't give up anything and you get an asset. So I think that's makes sense to me. Yeah, makes sense to me too. And I think part of this too, um, because this was before the deadline of Alex Formanton, who was actually rumored uh, to be going to Carolina along with Vegas. Uh, part of this trade, I think, opened up a roster spot for Vegas to possibly get out Alex Formanton. Uh, as we saw, though, as the result, they did not get him. Um, he was not able to resign with Ottawa. So that's some NHL news for you. Yeah, and that was probably the best case <laughs> to not get Foreman. And just too much risk on the player, too much concern there. There is no real, there is no definitive answer on the accusations that we've made against him, but. It's a risk. It's too much to risk. Apparently, her Carolina was willing to to take a risk, but I th I think you can only I think as a team you can only get away with bringing in players that might be considered controversial so many times before you start to alienate your fan base. Not saying that it was wrong to bring in, for example, Tony D'Angelo. I think he became a fan favorite, but you you can't do it over and over again and, and get away with it, especially with the player where with Tony D'Angelo, he may have said some things, but with Formanton, he may have done some things. And I think those are two totally different things. And one is significantly, one is much, much worse than anything Tony D'Angelo has ever done. So I think it was the right move not to bring in Formanton. Um, we'll see, you know, if he's cleared awesome, maybe it's a player we target in the future. 
Uh, he's a decent hockey player. I don't think that's something you'll argue. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see how the formatting thing works out. Um, one thing I just do want to mention, though, I'm not going to go into a huge discussion about it, is that the outdoor game is now being broadcast on ABC. It was originally scheduled to be on ESPN, though. So just uh, for you listening to this, if you're wondering to know where the hockey game is, uh, the outdoor game is on ESPN, it's actually on ABC now. So I don't really see a huge problem with it because ABC is another national television thing. So that's fine right there. And one thing I do want to point out, I mean, we've we've already talked about him quite a bit here. So far is eight wins in the first 10 NHL starts for Kachekov and sets a franchise record. Very, very good for him. Yeah. He's just been playing great. Oh, yeah. No, Kachekov is, we've said it, he's amazing. So I don't know what, what else you think we'll ever say about him. He's a, he's a great hockey player. He's got the passion and the fire. In a good way, reminds me a little bit of, of Bennington. Maybe like a hybrid of Bennington and Marazic. He can get pretty feisty. But I don't think he goes as far. He doesn't go as far as Bennington. He's got that feistiness that Bennington has in him. But he knows where to stop like Marazic does. You know, So he's got that feistiness of both of those goalies. I think somewhere in the middle between Bennington and, and Marazic. Where Marazic might not slash Marchand. Uh, but uh, Kochetkov. And then you have Bennington who would probably knock out Marchand or try to. And then you know Kochetkov a little couple little slashes back and forth. When, so when Kachekov did that with Marchand in the playoffs, I was like, that guy is brave. <laughs> Look, but, I love him. Hey, I mean And if you saw last night too to him. he was waving it looked like he was waving bye to the LA fans as he was skating off the ice. So that was kind of funny. But I love Kochetkov. Um so you know keep it up. He's gonna be a I, I just I don't I don't think you can send him down. I don't Oh, I don't either. Uh, now let's get on to the Hurricane games. First is the Penguins game. And this was another game that entered had to go into extra time, overtime, as us fans have been acquainted with a <laughs> lot in the past few weeks. So first period goes around, Crosby scores. Um, I thought that was a bit of a leaky goal. Um, that Kachekov uh, led in, but Burns, the defense wasn't really helping him either. And it was also Sidney Crosby. And it is Sidney Crosby, yes. So I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not really going to blame a lot on Kachekov. Yeah, he probably should have had it, but yeah, it was Sidney Crosby. So it's like, oh, you're young. It's okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's one to nothing. Pittsburgh is leading after one. And then in the second period, you have Netra scoring from Pesci and Ajo, and then Svech from Ajo and Nason. And so far at this point, this point in the game, uh, Pittsburgh starred, started Jari. And Jari has not been good with rebounds this game. Keynes took advantage. Yeah, Jari, had, Jari was very leak, was very rough with rebounds. He was rough. I, I don't think Jari was very good that game anyway I no i don't think he, he probably was. wants a couple of them back because if you remember the svetch goal aho shot it so jari couldn't catch the puck mm-hmm. svetch um gets the rebound and ra- does a wraparound which was really good and scores and svetch continues on a dominant pace um at this rate he's scoring 50 goals uh toward the season end if he keeps this up yeah, that'd be good. I think I think I said at the beginning of the season you want him to somewhere between forty and fifty, um, and then to continue the same pace in the playoffs. Yes, so very good for Svetch, and the Natchez goal was really nice as well. Yep. It so was, I mean, it was great to see these. Uh, what's been so important this season is. Your top guys are doing what they need to. Ajo's fetch nages. Those are the three players that you needed to score and get points, and they have. Teravainen's been hurt. It's fine. Now that he's back, he you need to see him really, really, truly do what he needs to do. And I think he looked good against the Kings. Um, so, you know what? I think with him coming back, that's going to be a big, um, big help. 
Yes, definitely. But unfortunately, in the third period, you have Gensel scoring that ties it up. Pittsburgh was really pushing it late in that period. And unfortunately, Gensel ties it, and then it goes into overtime. <laughs> Once again. And you and I are about as nervous as can be watching that game. Because it's like, oh my goodness, they're going to find a way to blow it. They're going to find a way to lose this game. And cause that's what that's 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 kind of been the story. Because Carolina had just won one, they won Calgary, and it's like, oh my goodness, they're gonna do it again. Nothing's changed. They just got lucky and got a win. But they played tough. Yeah, they played tough. And I want to point out, um, at this point, Jarvis had, I believe, six hits. Yep. In this Pittsburgh game, Jarvis was physical. Again, I like it when these players are physical. I don't know why there are people out there that say, oh, they can't be physical. You need physicalness. Um, and I would argue when the Canes are at their best, there is some physical nature in their game. Absolutely. Because you need to get tough. Or else you're going to get pushed off the puck, or else you're going to look, you're going to become pretty obvious that you're vulnerable and that's not good you don't want anyone thinking that you're vulnerable you don't want people thinking that you can easily get bullied around right you don't need someone taking a run at your captain or in this well not really your captain but your stars there's no one stupid enough to take a run at Jordan stall <laughs> but uh you know that's not what you want and and over time you get a very good clean hit some penguins fans like to say it's a board it was not a board the player turned jarvis was committed to the hit when it would have been right on his shoulder, shoulder to shoulder. And he turned around. And honestly, Jarvis let up a little, and he and he hit him. And the Penguins stopped playing hockey. Yeah. And yeah, the they did. didn't stop play. So you got a 2-on-0. And you should score on 2-on-0s. And they did. Pesci with his second in as many nights. Yes. And, I mean... It's really frustrating as a Canes fan when you see something controversial that goes for the Hurricanes in a situation like this, because it was on Brian Russ, that Jarvis hit, that created the 2 on 0 chance. Yeah. There was a full article on The Athletic on that goal, being how this was unfair to the Penguins, unfair. And there have been a couple times, not this season, this was the first, but in previous years where there have been full articles on on plays that are for the Hurricanes, like this one, and then there's huge controversy around it. Listen, we get our fair share of back, back all suit that we think um, should be called by the refs. I know you mentioned in the L.A. game last night that the refs missed a couple of penalties that they should have called on for L.A. And yeah, because Carolina, Carolina got away with a few. I mean, it's kind of like, oh. Yeah. And, 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 and I said this last night. It, to me, it evens itself out at the end. It really does. And I think when you're looking at the Hurricanes, you're looking at a team, and, and I criticize the officiating far more than you, and I will wear that mantle as a badge of honor. And I, and I get it, and I know why some people like to, and why some people don't like to. But I think Hurricane, I think when you decide to be contra, I think when you decide to complain about a goal like that. I think you need to, I would point them to the article written last year that showed how frequently Carolina gets called for penalties and where it's an anomaly because teams that play our style and where we are in the standings, we don't, that style doesn't breed that many calls. And again, I've told you before, and I've said it myself, I usually have very few complaints about penalties called on us. Of course, there are times when there are BS calls. There were a couple, I think, this week. I know Adam Gold thought there was a really, 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 really bad call. I think it was on, oh, boy, I think it was on Shea. I don't remember, but there was an extremely bad call that everyone said that is, is horrible. And, and I think they scored on the power play. Or no, they did not score on the power play. But it was like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. And. You just then something even more egregious happened later, and it wasn't called. Anything Hurricanes fans want, I've said it, you've said it. We want the game called evenly, called fairly. If you commit the penalty, you, you go to the box. I don't see where this goal, this 
hit by Jarvis was a penalty because, again, like Tripp said, and I'll take his words, he turned. And if you turn during the hit, it's you, you, that's your fault. That's not the player. It was a clean hit. Look, Pitts, teams like, and this is kind of where I think these articles get bred to is, right? It's these lower market teams like Carolina, Tampa Bay, Florida, you know, Colorado is a smaller market team, right? It's where these small market teams go up against these big markets like Pittsburgh, Philly, Boston, New York, New York, right? So it's these teams who have just, in my opinion, really have gotten the benefit of these calls for so many years. And now you're playing up against teams like Carolina or these old, these old guard teams like Pittsburgh are going into the sunset. Right? Because it's, it's almost over for them. And they're not going to get the benefit of those calls anymore because they're not as fast anymore. They're not as good anymore. So they don't play that style that breed, that kind of comes about bringing you don't get called like that anymore. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, maybe if I was a Penguins fan, I'd be upset. But I think if you look at the hit, he turns. And I don't think you can really argue that there should have been a penalty there. Well, what's funny is when I saw that play, though, I mean... You know, we, we we kind of get the gist of how the refs can 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 at times hold the Canes to a higher standard and I think against the other team. I thought they were gonna call a penalty there, actually. That would be a par for the course for how the officials have treated Carolina in recent years. Um, and I honestly think and if I'm honest about why I believe Carolina gets these called gets called the way they do is because Rod has been one of the most critical coaches in the National Hockey League against the officiating, right? And I honestly kind of tend to take my my marching orders from Rod, especially when it comes to the officials. I tend to agree with him a lot on, on things. But, um, and I think, I, I guess it kind of makes sense to probably try to send a message there and, okay, you know, whatever, he's been fine before. You know, I think you have two of the best coaches in the National Hockey League are Tortorella and Rod. and they've they've said what they've said so i mean i'm not gonna harp on it anymore i've I've done it a lot i've sat on my i stayed on my soapbox at the end of the day i thought it was a clean hit um and it was good in my opinion good to see something go the hurricanes way because that's just not how it's been when they've lost these games it's been bad call after bad call bad goal after bad goal not not because of a penalty or anything just the the hurricanes have allowed bad goals it just the the, over the stretch of november it was not going the hurricanes way whether it was a bad call a bad goal allowed bad goaltending bad inability to finish you know at, at some point the law of averages say that carolina gets a break and if you want to be one of those people that says that was a penalty carolina got a break that's fine they got a break, but they earned the break. They did. They, it's been a bad month in November. And it happens. I mean, obviously, I would not want to see that kind of a goal be the Stanley Cup final winning goal. Oh, I don't, I don't want that. I do not want that. At that point in a playoff game, I may call a penalty just because it's a playoff or something. I'm not sure. You don't want that to be the Stanley Cup final winning goal just because you don't want that controversy over your fan base, whatever. I don't think there was a penalty there. As a fan, I would be okay with it, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, But I think Carolina earned the break, right? I mean, I think you can look at it that way, law of averages, if you really want to be more cynical about it. I think that's how I would say to look at it in that case. Yeah, possibly. And, I mean, another element why I just don't like talking about officiating is because you can't take the human out of the official. And every human may makes their mistakes. They sometimes just do not see that play. And I can understand that. Now, refs need to be hold higher to a higher standard. And and what I like to preach on when it comes to officiating is accountability. I don't think there is accountability when it comes to the officiating. And the reason why is because refs make mistakes, just like everybody else. Yeah. And I think it'd be fair. So that's why I don't like really talking about Officiating, you can't take the human out of the official because humans make mistakes. They do. And I would like to see some more accountability to the officials. And I think it's stupid to find coaches who might want to have a word. You know, if there's a really bad call, why can't Rod say that that was a bad call? So, you know, I think allowing stuff like that and allowing the reason why fans do it is because no one else can. 
And I, and you know, if, if Rod was saying, if Rod was allowed to say it more, you know, so, you know, you can get his, his facial expressions on the bench and you're like, oh yeah, he's not happy. Um, I think, I think things might be different. I probably, you know, it is what it is. I'll take the bullet and I'll talk about the officiating. At the end of the day, I, I and really, I, in reality, I thought the officiating in the LA game was pretty good. I think it's been good. I don't think the officiating was all that great in the Pittsburgh game. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great, you know, kind of in the middle. But I thought the officiating was good in St. Louis. I thought it was good in L.A. I mean, I think, if anything, the, the officiating probably benefited us more against L.A. I felt like we, I mean, they, you know, you can make the argument that the penalty to Nason wasn't right, but I think that was a good call. I think that was interference. Um, So, you know, it's it's just going our way right now, and I'm sure it'll change in a week or two. Again, it all evens itself out. <laughs> let's yeah. let's let's okay. Let's <laughs> let's stop with the officiating conversation. Pesci scores it in OT. Very happy for him. At that point, he has scored two game-winning goals because he's also got the game-winning goal against Calgary, which was great. And now we go on to the St. Louis Blues game. And this is the game where I really want to dive in on how dynamic the stall line is. Stall line has been excellent. And I think they're really good against Pittsburgh, too. But the stall line has been amazing. And I think this St. Louis game just highlighted that. So, first period. Yeah, Buchnevitz scoring. That's a power play goal. It sucks. But I don't really blame Kachekov because that was a beautiful one-timer pass to Buchnevich. St. Louis scores one to nothing. You and I get nervous. Yes, <laughs> you and I, we get nervous. That's, that's usually how it is. And then we go into the second period. Achari scores. You and I are now more like, ah, oh, this could be a night. <laughs> yes. Now, remember, th- in this game, Carolina started Ronto. Yep. And I don't blame him for the first goal, because that first goal was a beautiful pass, Nothing beautiful one-timer. Nothing he could have done there. The Achari goal, he should have had. Yep. Two, nothing. And then, in the span of 68 seconds. 60, I thought it was 66. Or 66. Either way, really short. <laughs> it was a really, yeah, a yeah, really short. You have Burns scoring on a power play. You have Martinuk scoring, which I thought there was going to be a penalty there on Shea for a trip. Um, I can't remember the St. Louis player that he tripped, but Martinuk got the loose puck in that scrum and scored a top shelf. And then Jarvis scores from Netches. I believe that was off of a St. Louis skate, uh, but, I mean, Jarvis is coming in on the transition and uh, scores far side on the goalie. So it's three to two St. Louis. I'm a three to two Carolina. Wow. What yeah, a turn a, of events. As, as, it was a, that was a lot to, to take in. <laughs> but it was awesome to see it. I mean, it caught us off guard. And, and honestly, after that, Carolina just dominated the game. Uh, it was great. And then again, we go back to Ronta. And you're like, oh my goodness, we're up three two. This is awesome. And then Tori Cruz scores a goal, and that's one. That was the had. worst goal I thought. The worst and the Achari goal. And then you're thinking, oh dear God, goaltending is going to cost us this game. But then the third period starts, and Kachetkov's in that. And you and I were kind of I like, was okay, because what does Rod never do? Replace the goaltending. And there was no release anything at all from the PR team, from the organization. There was nothing released at all. So it's like, okay, what's going on? What's the reasoning behind this? So far as fans know, it's because Ronta hadn't played good, and that's rare for Rod to ever do. And it was the right move. I know. I was shocked when he started Kachekov. Now, it was revealed after the game Ronta had cramps, but I do think there was some level of protection from management due to the situation of the goaltending. 
um, situations, obviously, of Anderson is already hurt. You can't lose another goaltender. So Kachekov comes in. He plays very good, as usual. And Carolina scores again. Martinuk from Slavin. So Martinuk has two goals. And that was a leaky goal from Bennington. Bennington did not have a good night that game at all. And it, and St. Louis played last night too. They lost and Bennington lost it. So it is now 4 to 3 Carolina's winning. And now it is 5 to 3 Stahl scores. Things are looking pretty good. But then, and that stall goal is actually empty net. So, St. Louis is pushing toward the end of the game. Yep. And O'Reilly scores. I don't really blame Kachekov a ton for that no. goal. Be, and, and, and you kind of need to give Kachekov and just goalies in general a little bit more leniency when they start or when they come in during a game. Yeah, because because they're not your original starter. Yeah, and they're not. They haven't played. <laughs> they only have to play twenty minutes, and that's uh, it's tough to do to come on in. And so, yeah, he lets in one, not a big deal. Um, and I'm sure you've noticed during that third period, though, Carolina was defense was a little bit pulling back a little bit, so they could get Kachek off going a little bit with stopping pucks. Yeah, pucks, which I thought was pretty smart. For Carolina to do that. Yeah, and I think Ochetkov settled in fine. He let in a goal. Big whoop. You know, it wasn't a big deal. Carolina was up, so. And um, the greatest part about this game, honestly, was that O'Reilly scored because that gave Martin a chance to score the hat trick. And he did. He got a hat trick, so. He was so happy. You know he was. And that stall line has been so good. Oh, yeah. Uh I mean, there are two things I noticed with the stall line. One, they're a grinding line. Mm-hmm. They have a tenacity, aggressiveness of getting to the puck. And, okay. <laughs> and number two, they have really good puck p- possession. Almost all the time when they're all on, out there on the ice, they have that puck. Mm-hmm. And they're really, really good of moving it because all three of those players are really good. Stahl, he is a man you don't want to mess with. And no. we saw that in the St. Louis game when Bennington tried to uh, knock Stahl down. Yeah, that didn't work out so good. That didn't work <laughs> out so well. Stahl knocked him down. Yes. And. And, and, and there's another instance too. Um, I can't. I can't remember the game, but um, there was a player that was trying to hit stall, but he gets knocked down. I really can't remember the game. I want to say Nashville, but I could be wrong. But and then there was another game. This was not the season, though. But I believe this was two seasons ago where it was against Tampa. I don't know if you remember, Sam, but Yanni Gord was yep. doing oh, this. I remember. Oh, I remember. On Stahl. He was cross-checking Stahl so many times, and Stahl scores uh, with the tip because Stahl's just unfazed. I think Stahl's a superhuman when he's on the ice because nothing breaks that man physically, mm. <laughs> which is amazing, and you need that type of player. And um, what's interesting, I mean, you know, Stahl's contract is done by the end of the season. Yep. I think we resign him. But if we don't, I expect KK to kind of take over that third line center. Yeah. Question is, do you... Th- I, and I think KK has the size to kind of meet stalls. Yeah. And the way KK plays, he plays a more of a defensive game. I mean, he's game. able to, you know, create that space needed for those other players. So yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's one area where I could see KK being a very good player. He could kind of play a stall type of game on that third, third line. So, and if it does, you know what? Great for KK. 
Um, and so you have Stahl in that line. He's just a he, he's a big guy. He's superhuman on the ice, I think. And then you have Jesper Faust, who his nickname's Quickie. I honestly think he is a very good defensive forward. Yeah. He, he does not give up a lot of defensive... Well, he doesn't have these defensive lapses, no, which is just all. great. And then I think you have the fastest skater in that lineup with Martinuk. Because Martinuk, I think he's a fast, aggressive player. And I think Martinuk, to be honest, is the most aggressive player Yep, in that lineup. And then I would say Foss and then Stahl. And I think Stahl's still very aggressive, too. It's just Stahl has a bigger frame than um, Faust and Martinuk, which allows for maybe a little bit more maneuverable makes Martinuk and Faust maneuver a little bit more. Yeah, because I they agree. are a little bit shorter in stature. Yeah, for sure. That line's been great. What do you think of that stall line? Martinuk, Stahl, and Faust. Why do you think they're just that good? I think it's just that chemistry. I mean, Stahl and Faust have already been good together, and Martinuk is healthy, right? So Martinuk hasn't been healthy the last couple seasons. And I think any fan, and I just want to say this now, I've seen some people say you're a fake fan if you thought Martinuk should have been let go. No, if you thought that, you were right to think that. Because Martinuk had had an absolutely atrocious last two years. He had not been good. He had been a problem with turnovers. He had not been healthy. There was no point for him being in the lineup but he's healthy <laughs> and he's playing the way he did that first year here better than when he did when, when he first got here i would argue he's playing better than his than the first season Absolutely. he's had here and that's a lot of things he's healthy now he has not been healthy the last two years he's been a liability the last two years because of that but as long as he is this healthy he is playing this good and this is the kind of play you get from martin Hook. When you're playing, when he is healthy, it makes sense, and it works, and that's why it works. His style of play works for that line. I think more so than the Nino Ryder addition on that line. I think Nino should have been playing in top six. He's a scorer; he shouldn't be on the shutdown line. So I think that was a mistake on the. Yes, that line had been great, but it didn't make sense to keep Nino Ryder on a line where he's not doing what he should be doing, which is score goals. Um, it works. Yeah, it works really well as a shutdown line. You have that offensive ability that I think Fast and Martin can bring, and you have your shutdown. And I think Stahl can bring the offense too. He's had a lot. <laughs> Stahl probably should have had five or six goals in this this week alone. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's an, it's a line that can produce offense, but is designed to shut down the top line of anyone else, and Ex they do it. Exactly, and I'm I'm glad that you brought up Niederreiter because I think it's important to compare uh, the two lines: one with Nino, one with Martinuk. Yep. And I would say the one with Nino, yes, you have a little bit a little bit more of a scoring touch there, and I think you have more of a grinding type of fest with them because Nino just pitched per perfectly with Stahl and Faust. Yes. But with Martinuk on that line, I think there's more aggressiveness than there was when Nino was on that line. And I think there's been a little bit more of a defensive IQ that's been upped a little bit, too. So, I mean, that's just what I see. I mean, you, you, you could argue for which line is better, because both of, the, of those lines have been really good with or without Nita Ryder, but... Marnuk's really has. Um, I think we miss Nina Ryder and the respect of a top six winger that we've desperately needed these last in November because we just didn't have the didn't have it because KK wasn't playing what he needed to do. Nason should not be in a top six role. So yeah, you miss Nino in that situation where at that point you slot Nino on that first line and he fits in perfectly. So. I think at the end of the day, for Nino, it's best for him to move on because um, he's going to do better where he's at now, playing in that offensive role. So, would love to have him back, but not as a Jordan Stall. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, it, it, again, this is my opinion. I'd rather have the Nino Stahl Foss line than the Marnock Stahl and Foss, but I think Marnock's done excellent to fill the void of Nita Ryder on that line. And they and Marnock, he's just I, I'm amazed because I think Marnock has been the most consistent guy when it comes to being aggressive on the puck for this team ever since the start of the season. He never takes a shift off. Mm-mm. Which is what I love about Martinuk. He, he his effort is like a hundred and ten percent. And listen, I, I love our top six players. I love Aho. I love Natchez. I love Svetch. Those players, I'm not really criticizing uh, as as much. But I do think we need more of that aggressiveness that Martinuk has in our top six. And if you do have that, that's really good. Yeah. That's a really good team. Oh, absolutely. And speaking of Martin Oak, Faust, and Stahl, guess what starts the scoring out in the Los Angeles game? That's right. It's that Martin Oak, Stahl, and Faust line. You have a great play from Stahl. He, he wins the, the faceoff. Yeah. And then he wins the board battle, gets it up to Faust. Faust to Martin Oak. And then Martin Oak with a great saucer pass to Shea. And Shea deeks the crap out of quick and... We're off to the races. One nothing, Carolina. Yeah, great pass from Marduk. Oh, it was beautiful. And then when Shay gets it, he kind of jukes a l- s- subtly mm-hmm. to be quick. And it's one to nothing, Carolina. They're winning against the Kings. And I thought this the first period I thought was a pretty even period in terms of chances. I thought both teams had pretty good chances. And even though I thought Kachekov was the better goalie. And Quick, which to me is saying something because I think Quick is still an excellent goaltender. Oh, absolutely. Quick, I don't have a Quick was not the problem tonight for LA. It was their defense. Yes. And, and I've kind of. Quick is noticed, great. He can only do so much. Yeah. And I've kind of noticed with LA, they have a good offense. I love Fiala. Kobotar is still good. They have young guys in Velarde. Mm-hmm. They have a pretty good offense. It's just outside of Dowdy, that defense is a little bit spotty. And Dowdy's getting older, too. Yes, he is. Um, and then you move on, and then who else but Martin Natchez. Natchez. On the power play, too. And the power play is starting to click. Which is good. It's about time. I know a couple of weeks ago, like I had said, you know, I think you need a change in Daniels. Do you still believe in that? Um, I'm being a little facetious here. No, I know. Um... I think anyone saying that a change was needed wasn't off base. I, uh, right now, when you're winning, you don't make a change. So, I don't think I was wrong for thinking that. And some people might say I'm just unwilling to admit I was wrong. No, I don't, I don't think I was wrong for thinking that. No, Adam Gold would disagree. But the reason, my rationale I made, if you want to know it, just go back and listen more than happy to explain it again there. Um, <laughs> you want to know the rationale, that's fine. Just go listen to it. My, my rationale has been the last two years, there's been one problem in the playoffs, and that was offense. Don't think, you know, Rod runs the power play, I guess, but I think my rationale was on, on, on base. Um, regardless, you don't make changes when you're, when you're winning, and that's just the reality. Um, the power play has been great, and I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope it doesn't cool off again to the point where it's non-existent and a liability, which has been the the downfall of this organization the last couple of years in the playoffs. Special teams has been the downfall and our liability in the playoffs, and we cannot have that again. Cannot go back to that play again. And if we do, I think arguing for a coaching change is not stupid. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> so we get to the second period, and Aho scores from um, Bert. I'm from, sorry, from Natchez and Jarvis. And before that goal, actually, Aho missed a wide open net. Hmm. Um, that was also now, a really good save. True, but that was the second attempt that he tried, and he should have elevated that. Uh, but to me, the first attempt was his best chance because it was clearly an open net. Now, I do think he could have positioned himself better because you're not just going to sl- sl- slide it in in the direction that he was at toward the net. 
but he's still he's still Sebastian Ajo. You still need to get that. But you know what? He came in focused. I actually thought Ajo was the best player of this game. Because I thought Ajo was very focused, especially after missing that wide open net. You see, I felt like Burns was the best player. I, I had Burns as my second star. I, I, I love what I got from... I, I just li- I thought this was Burns' best game as a Hurricane. I, I thought it was his best game defensively. Because, I mean, he, his stick was so effective on the ice defense, defensively. Knocking... Well, actually diving to get to poke the puck mm-hmm. on that's, a potential and, breakaway. And that turned into a goal, too. So, yeah. you know, that was, you know, that's just what you want from him. That ability to make those plays. And I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Yes. So, Ajo, he, he redeems himself for scoring from Nashville and Jarvis. And what I've noticed, and this was a little bit with the Svetch goal, too, is that we're now getting goals off of the rush. We're not just going in and then we are set to make a play. They're coming in off the rush. The Brady Shea goal was coming in off, uh, off the rush off in transition mode. Aha was that, and Svechnikov was that. Now, in that goal, that was more of a play within... The L.A. King zone, but makes sense. It's a power play. Yep, and that's why I like and that. And I truly think when the Canes make those goals it, off the rush, they are to me the most effective team, and they showed that last night as we're recording this. So it is three nothing. Canes are winning, and I think you and I were pretty safe to say that I, we think the Canes are going to win. But L.A. did a little bit, just a little bit concerned us, not much, with Kaliev scoring on the power play. Um, I thought uh, the penalty that Drury made, he was basically hugging the L.A. player there. I, I think Drury needs to take a seat. Yeah, I I don't, I don't know, know about do Drury it. either. I don't know if you make, I don't know if you change your roster. After a win, but if you do, you you put step on it and you put jury out. Uh, jury spending way too much time in the box right now, um, and I think once Pacioretty's back or Kasha's back, you send you send jury down immediately um, because I think Stasny's coming into his game. Um, I think uh, that Stan- fourth line played pretty well though overall, and they have been playing well. And I think a lot of it's being carried by the play of Paul Stasny. I thought he's been playing exceptionally well of late, and I think Nason's played. Nason is just better on that fourth line, so Nason's been playing very, very well too. So I, I love what I'm. I love what I'm getting from Stasny right now. I've I've been a fan of his for years. Love Paul Stasny. Love that he's wearing a Hurricanes uniform. Um, I think if KK keeps on not working. In my opinion, I put Stasny at that center spot. Well, he has that experience. He does, and he can make those plays, and I think he'll find his offense there. So I think if KK keeps not being able to produce, I will not be shocked if you see a Stasny. Because it happened already, and it worked really well. So I kind of want to see it, but again, I'm a fan of Paul Stasny. Yes, so and, I'm biased. <laughs> and another another thing we want to point out in the LA game, this was the first game that Tara Vinen had came back from injury. And I am very, very happy that he is now part of the at the roster on the ice now. Yeah. And he looked good. He looked like I he thought he lo- looked pretty good too. So I'm looking forward to Tara Vinen playing more. That's gonna be beneficial to this team. Yes, and I thought, uh, to me, um, that kind of made the fourth line, to me, a little bit more effective on the ice, because you push Nason down to the fourth line. And, listen, I like Nason. He's not a top-six player. No. He really isn't. But you have Nason, Stastny, and Drury. I think that's a pretty good fourth line. And they've been showing up, to me, in my opinion, in these last... uh, Quite a few games. So it is now three to one. Carolina is still leading. And then you have Svechnikov who puts on a one man show. And uh, it looks like he was going to pass it to Teravinen, but goes off of uh, Dowdy's skate and into the net. 
it's four to one Carolina, and to me that really was the straw that broke the camel's back for Los Angeles for the Kings. They just I think they knew after that goal they were not going to tie this game. They were not going to win. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Because LA, to me, was the best team in the third period. Whereas yeah. I thought Carolina, their best period was the second period. Yeah, I thought. And at the end of the day, Carolina was just a better team. And that proved to be the case. Because Carolina wins it. And they should. They earned the right to win that game. Yes. Uh, now, uh, one thing I do want to point out. Uh, now, he gets his first career goal. Good for him. Fashimo. Fashimo scores. That was on a breakaway. That's probably been Kochetkov's only weakness. Again, young goaltender will find will figure things out. Cam Ward was horrible in the shootout, and he was still an elite goaltender. So I'm okay with him figuring things out. The defense needs to. We, we shouldn't be allowing that many breakaways, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks. So it's something that both the defense and the goaltender can work out. You want to see your goalie make some saves. Of course, sometimes other players are going to score. Part of the game, you're going to get goals on the breakaway. Like Hachetkov seems to be allowing mostly goals on the breakaway. And you know what? At the end of the day, if you limit the breakaways and that's the only time the other team scores, I'm okay with it. Yeah, that I think that's a good perspective to have um on this Gaines team. And I and I thought to me too, I I just want to point out another player that I think he's been playing very good defensively is Don. Yeah. I'm not really gonna be a huge perfectionist when it comes to the defense. I think if it's your third pair that only allows goals, it just shows how great your top four is. And you're going to have a pair on the ice that is going to let in a goal. That's just reality. But to me, the only pair that, to me, is the best pair, I love Slavin and Burns. I really do. Yep. But boy, Pesci and Shea, I think they have been the best defensive duo this team has had oh absolutely they've been elite they're getting chances they're score you know they're doing great now they're just finding the back of the net which is even better i know both boche and pesci just been excellent overall and and obviously i i would rate uh slavin and burns pair the second and dehan and chatfield the, th- the third best but they've to me they've all been really good naturally the canes play defensively sound game so i'm not really concerned about the defense really am not guess just because of the way they play so great week for the Kings. yeah great week and we're on to honestly i think this next week is tougher and that in my opinion and it's only because of the gaps you have between games so got to get through that that's going to be tough for this team because i think you only play twice Yes, uh, there it's going to be a very long break next week because you only have two games, Anaheim and then the Islanders on Saturday. So we might have a pretty short episode next week. Yeah, so that's because that's <laughs> it. Yeah, Anaheim and then New York, nothing else. And then you get because you get two days off today, tomorrow, Anaheim. Then you have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off. Then Saturday. Then you're off Sunday, Monday. Then Detroit, and then fortunately the rest of the month is pretty much every other. You got a couple of two day breaks. Two day breaks at home, I don't think are as big of a deal. Then you know what's even better, in my opinion, is you get four straight at home. Yes, although looking at those teams, it's not going to be easy. Not at all, but again, it's four at home, and I think that's good because the Hurricanes have not been able to get to that place they need to be at home ice yet, and I think this is a good chance for them too. And it's a, it's a good test. Seattle, Dallas, Pittsburgh, and New Jersey. That's a good test. And we're giving away a ticket to one of those games. Yes, we are. A lucky fan is going to be able to go enjoy the New Jersey Devils. That's the, the only, Hurricanes. That's going to be the only information we're going to let out, though, is the game itself. So is we might be doing another giveaway mm-hmm. this month. So. Make sure you pay attention. We'll tell you right now. You will know for sure closer to when we start this homestand. So be prepared. Make sure you pay attention. You follow us on all of the platforms. Increases your chances. Everyone who's done it before knows how it's going to work. Instagram and Twitter. Follow us. Follow us. Turn notifications on. Pay attention because guess what? 
we like to give stuff away. It's fun. People, we love other people being able to go to hockey games where you might not be able to go on a regular basis. So it's fun. And we like to, to bless other people in, in this. So it's cool for y'all. It's fun for us. And it'll be fun for you guys too. And if it makes you feel better, every time we've given away tickets, there's been a, I think there's been a hat trick. So <laughs> we did it in the preseason. And then we did it um, last time. And I think that's when Ajo got the hat trick. And then that's right. Aho did get the hat trick to that Buffalo giveaway game. And then I think there was one in the preseason where there may have been a hat trick, or at least there was an offensive explosion. I think it was like an eight goal game that was against Columbus. There might not have been a hat trick, but it was like an eight goal game. Yeah, it was the Columbus game. So Carolina seems to show up when we give tickets away. So so far two and zero for people who get to go to games and we give them away. So just keep that in mind. You don't want to be the first fan to lose. So. <laughs> Can I say we know the future? Yeah, or, right. <laughs> we pick we pick the right game. So yeah. <laughs> pay attention to the social medias and you will be very happy in the near future. Yes. Now let's get on to the very last segment of our show, uh, revealing one of our top memories, the 25th anniversary moments special, as I like to call it. Yes. So want me to go first or you? I'll go first this time. So for me, I don't remember the game itself. I was younger, but I remember the event. So my, I, I can't give specifics, but and, and I can't really say why I was there. But due to connections that my family had at the time, I was in a coach's box for the game. So I was in was when Peter Laviolette was the head coach. It was a long time ago. Ooh, nice. So Laviolette was the head coach. Got to go in to the coach's box. And it was really cool because there was a lot of really neat people there. So one of them is, and I'll mention this individual, was Coach K. Yao, who has passed away from cancer long, well, several, many years ago now. So got a chance to meet her. My family got to meet her. But it was really cool due to those connections at the time being able to be in that box. Right? So that was pretty pretty fascinating, pretty exciting to to do again i can't i'm not going to say over over a platform like this the the why my dad i'll say who my dad got those tickets at the time or why so but it was really neat to have that experience to be in the coach's box to be able to enjoy a game that way again i was young so i remember it to a degree but i don't remember the final score or anything or even who we played on one i think it may have been buffalo but i do not remember so it was really neat, and that's just the kind of things that are cool to see and do when you're a Hurricanes fan. So, it's again, it's a little more obscure, but it was cool to get into a coach's box. So I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet that was a very cool experience. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was really, it was pretty fascinating. All right, my turn now. So one of my favorite moments is back in college. I remember. So I, for college, I attended Campbell University, and I remember it was during exam time, because we're about to wrap up the whole year of school, and I was actually that night about to go see the movie Black Panther, because they were showing it at the school's auditorium, and that night was also the night of the draft lottery. Uh, for the 2018 NHL draft class. And I was like, well, I mean, I want to watch this because, I mean, I'm a devout Hurricanes fan. And when they... It was Bill Daly who flipped the card of showing the Islanders instead of the Hurricanes. I lost it. I was like, oh my gosh. And I mainly told my dad because in that draft class, the top player was Rasmus Stalin, a defenseman. And I told my dad, we don't need another defenseman. Because, I mean, we already had Slavin, Pesci. We still had Hannafin. I didn't think we needed another defenseman at all. I wouldn't be complaining of having Darlene, I think if we have drafted Darlene, then we will have traded Hannafin and gotten a Kinsa Ransom for him. But we got second. And right when I saw that we got second, I was like, we're going to pick Svechnikov. Because he was a clear number two pick right behind Darlene. And turns out we did, and Svech, man, he has been a staple for this Hurricanes team. 
He's had a couple of lacrosse goals. And we know we have seen him try this season. Hasn't gotten one. Because I do think they are easy to defend. But he's just been amazing. And he's doing really well this season. I think he's finally breaking through to being that 40 to 50 goal player. So that was one of my favorite moments. Remember, if you like this episode and want to help us out, please rate, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss another episode. If you want to keep up to date with us, you can follow us on both Twitter and Instagram. See you guys next week. Let's go, Kings.